1: Hello, Chicago. If there is anyone out there who still doubts that America is a place where all things are possible, tonight is your answer.
2: When Barack Obama got elected president, where were you?
3: I was in a sale. I was in a uh, Wayne County uh, jail sale.
2: On November 4th, 2008, Kwame Kilpatrick watched as Barack Obama declared victory in the presidential election.
3: Barack always wanted to be a politician. He loved it. You know, Skinny Key with a funny name. We came through the ranks together in this whole political world. He did fundraisers for me. I want to first of all acknowledge your great mayor, uh, Kwame Kilpatrick. Yeah, I was happy for him tonight. He went into this meteoric type of uh, fame the night we both spoke at the 2004 uh, uh, Democratic Party.
1: The pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states.
3: Red states you know, I spoke that same night before him. Yeah.
1: For the next president and vice president of these United States, John Kerry and John Edwards. God bless you. Thank you.
2: It is now 11 o'clock on the East Coast, and Keith, we can report history. Barack Obama is projected to be the next president
3: of the United States of America. He was at the Chicago parking, You know, that's when the old friend, Jesse, and everybody was in the crowd. He came out and made that speech. It's
1: been a long time coming, but tonight, because of what we did on this day, change has come to America.
3: And then, of course, the nurses there in Wayne County and different folks came and, you know, they were hollering and cheering. They actually allowed me that night to watch the TV. And uh, I was uh, overwhelmed with emotion and crying and happy and uh, all of it.
0: This was is from a federal prison.
3: And it was powerful. It was, it was powerful. So I remember that night very well. And
1: those who tell us that we can't... We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can.
2: Kwame's old political ally had just become the country's first black president, while Kwame was sitting in a jail cell.
3: I was in a room so small that I could sit on the edge of the bed and I could touch all four walls in that room. And uh, I don't believe that anybody could understand uh, what it's like to have the full responsibility of your demise on your shoulders and simultaneously sitting in a solitary confinement cell. I I actually despise life itself. I got to the point where I really didn't care if I lived or died.
2: Today on the show, after serving time behind bars, Kwame gets a taste of freedom. But how long will it last? I'm John White, welcome to Crimetown. Today we have filed a 12-count
0: criminal information that contains charges against Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick.
2: Mr. Kilpatrick, you're also giving up the right to be presumed innocent until proven guilty.
1: You understand that? I think I gave that up a long time ago, Yana. yes.
0: Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick is going to jail.
1: There's a lot
3: of hate out here. My son is in jail for having some sex.
1: Former Detroit Mayor Kwame Kilpatrick could be an hour away from freedom, were told by jail officials that shortly after the clock strikes 12, Kilpatrick will leave his 15 by 10 foot jail cell and walk out the front door just like any other inmate
2: would do. After serving 99 days in county jail for perjury and obstruction of justice, former Detroit mayor Kwame Kilpatrick walked free. A cheering crowd of supporters was waiting for him. It is reported the former mayor
1: will be heading directly to Texas. His wife and three sons are already there, and one of his lawyers says he has a job interview waiting for him on Wednesday.
2: After Kwame went to jail, his wife and children had moved to Texas to try and start over. Kwame joined them and got a job as a software salesman.
3: I'm in Texas. You know, I pulled in front of this house. That was a nice house. I should be happy. I'm not in jail, I'm I'm making money, I'm doing well. Uh, Me and my wife are starting to have conversations again and I was absolutely miserable. I sat in the car in front of my own house and didn't want to go in. I just knew that, that, I don't know what it was, but something in my soul just, didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be a part of what was going on there because all I ever wanted to be as a Detroiter, all I ever, the only place I ever wanted to live in life was Detroit, Michigan. And so to make that transition and go to uh, Dallas, Texas was hard for me, but uh, I'm thinking Detroit is in the rearview mirror.
2: But the Detroit media wasn't quite ready to leave Kwame alone. Kwame Kilpatrick is apparently making himself at home at a new house in Texas. According to the Detroit News, it's valued at about $373,000, but it's unclear right now how much Kilpatrick is paying in the home. As part of his plea agreement, Kwame was supposed to pay the city of Detroit a million dollars in restitution. And his new lifestyle in Texas didn't sit well with the Detroit media. A whole lot of people are wondering, about his lavish lifestyle in Texas, and more importantly, who's paying for it? The family moved into this 5,000-square-foot house, paying 2600 bucks a month in rent. At the time, Kilpatrick was paying nearly twice as much for cable and Internet as he was paying in restitution to Detroit. Are you really making enough money
1: (laughs) to, to afford all this? Oh, my goodness. Um... You know, uh, you know, we make enough money to pay the bills, Scott. Uh, You know, just like every family in America, we work hard. uh, We work hard to make sure that we can do what we need to do for our children ourselves.
2: But does he really need this much house? Could the Kilpatricks live in the same area with a little less extravagance? He broke the law, now is accused of violating his probation. Next for the mayor-turned-convict, Kwame Kilpatrick headed back to the D. Despite having a full-time job that paid six figures, Kwame claimed he could only afford $6 a month in restitution. A year after his release, he missed a $79,000 payment and was hauled back to court in Detroit.
0: In the hour-long hearing, Kilpatrick made a last attempt to sway Judge David Groner. He struggled with his composure at first, but then spoke almost 20 minutes.
1: I cheated on my wife, I spent a whole year feeling an enormous amount of guilt for what I did to my wife, my children, and this city. When I walked out of that jail cell, February 4th of 2009, the only thing on my mind was to reconcile with my family. In my stupidity, and now I know that it is stupidity, I tried to buy my way back in. over abundance of presents, trying to make everything perfect. And I respectfully and humbly asked with everything that's in me to, to be free. I want to go
0: home, y'all, where I belong. You balked, feigned poverty, and misrepresented your financial status, living in a million-dollar home, driving brand-new Escalades, shopping at high-end designer stores, and purchasing elective surgery for your wife. You lied to this court continued to lie after pleading guilty to lying in court. Obviously, there has been no rehabilitation. Therefore, you will serve a maximum of five years in the Michigan Department of Corrections. Put your hands behind the back, sir. The judge sentenced Kilpatrick to prison. Deputies stepped in quickly to handcuff him, and he was gone. It's kind of hard to articulate what I was feeling because there were so many emotions.
2: This is Carlita, Kwame's wife, being interviewed for a film called Cam K, a documentary of Kwame Kilpatrick.
0: Disbelief and anger and... (sighs) Hostility and fear and... resolve. After he was sent to prison he, they mailed me his suit that he had worn to court. Um, it was so much going on, you know, just trying to, I guess, not go crazy. And, and I think the suit kind of embodied all of that and um, you know, I was sad, he was gone. And that suit kind of still had his cologne in it.
3: <sighs> they chained me up in a way I'd never been chained up before. Ankles, waist, black box, arms. Uh, like Hannibal Lecter, walked me out of that center onto a bus.
2: During his first sentence, Kwame had spent a little more than three months in a small county jail. This time, he would spend at least a year and a half in a state prison.
3: And we pulled into that big, huge parking lot. I can only describe it as bad as that as, like, a huge mall parking lot, but empty and no stores. And it was buses everywhere. And then and it, was like, uh, it was like it was almost synchronized. All of the, the buses, one CO stepped outside of the bus, and she started to call names. And I'm just watching this whole thing out of the window. Uh, it, was, it was an incredible scene. Scores and scores of mostly African-American men being hauled off these buses, get straight and yelled at. Get over there, bus number two, call him this, call them this. come here, man, what's wrong with you, get your ass over this. And I'm listening to this and watching, and all I thought of was 1619. I thought of the first indentured servants, they were called, coming over to Jamestown, Virginia, from Africa, getting off that slave ship, and... You know, chained up and, and walking and, and, and being yelled at and moved. And it, it was almost like I was outside of myself. I was watching this movie scene.
2: Were you scared?
3: I wasn't scared. Uh, but there was a tremendous amount of, of feelings of demoralized, uh, sad. All of a sudden, I was in it. You're a magic. You know, and I, told, and I got up, got off the bus, get over there, bus six, get over there, go out. now, go run, get, get used to it, asshole. You're an inmate now, Kilpatrick, deal with it. Get over there, move. And, and at that moment, I said, you know, damn, this is, this is uh, I'm here. You know, you're not. In, you're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy.
4: He first was sent to Level 4 Maximum Security Prison. That was the first place they sent him. This is Kari
2: Turner, Kwame's cousin by marriage.
4: I distinctly remember being in the visitation room, sitting with him. There's another inmate sitting next to me. Guy looks just like Bam Bam Bigelow. Huge guy. White man, bald head, tatted everywhere. He and Kwame made pleasantries. I could tell that they had had conversation. He you knew him. And then... When this guy's visit ended, Kwame said, you see that guy that just walked away? And I said, yeah. And he said, serving natural life for murder. He said, why did they send me here? And that struck me. So I'm like, yeah, why are you here? Why are you here, man? And um, I just remember the gravity in that moment. I do. I do.
1: Kwame Malik Kilpatrick has been in prison about a year now. Kilpatrick asked the parole board to be released early and was interviewed by the board about a month ago. During his interview with the parole board, Kilpatrick said he learned from his experience and admitted that he had broken the law. Any matter of how? Jackson Prison will release its most recognizable inmate. process of releasing inmate Kilpatrick begins at 6.30 tomorrow morning, uh, just a little more than... Uh,
2: On August 2nd, 2011, Kwame Kilpatrick walked out of prison for the second time. The audio you're hearing is from footage captured by the makers of the documentary, KMK, who Kwame allowed to follow him.
1: All right, that's about it. <laughs> Got on out of there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, hey, we're supposed to take a picture of that door. My wife is going to be mad at me, but I got we gotta you. got to get out of here. Uh, a real wilder. All right.
2: <laughs> In the footage, Kwame has lost weight and grown a beard. He's wearing a loose-fitting peach button-up, and he's grinning from ear to ear.
1: Calling my wife. First phone call. <laughs> first phone call hey baby <laughs> what's going on <laughs> what you doing wide awake at 5 15 in the morning <laughs> who was that boy. what's up big fella <laughs> you couldn't sleep either huh what's up little fella Ah, oh, me neither man so i'll see you in a few hours okay love you lion man Lil.
0: of excited family members and friends were anxiously waiting to welcome Kwame Kilpatrick home from prison. And you. to your big brother the Slim guy here, he never, go ahead. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you see, today <laughs> is it's the, the first, first day, day of the rest of, of your life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> After stopping at his mother's house, Kwame boarded a plane for Dallas, Texas, where his wife and sons were waiting for him.
1: Hey, what's up? All for <laughs> producer, look at you, all you right. up? What's up? Look how tall y'all are. Like? So all this in your head, You're boy? skinny.
3: That's sweet initials right
1: <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, You're my cool. goodness. Yeah, he's skinny. You're skinny. You look good. good. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. What up, Dejanae? Look at it. Oh, boy,
3: I'm
1: going to knock you out. <laughs> 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 hey, look at it. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> hey. Y'all look like y'all got stilts so uh,
3: Still ain't got me.
1: You ain't got me. <laughs> so, what's up? What's up, fellas? Y'all all right?
3: Yeah. 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 It was the first time that I've been with my boy uh, since I was <laughs> rushed into prison in May of 2010. And so. I spent most of that first uh, four or five months at home just being day. I picked them up from school. I took them to school, and I talked to them. They asked questions, especially my big boys. At this time, you know, they're they're eleven you know, 12 years old. So they're asking about, you know, what happened in Detroit? Why do we get all this stuff about yeah, all these rumors? And then you know that. We see you. We know that this is not true. And I had to explain it to them. And first of all, that some people are mad and evil, and, and, and they're trying to, to break you. They're trying to hurt you. You know, I told them the truth.
4: I started to feel that there was an
2: element of groupthink setting into The community. Kari Turner, Kwame's cousin by marriage, is also a journalist.
4: Through all this, my training still tells me that there are two sides to every story. But I'm only feeling like I'm hearing one. And uh, I approached him and I said, you know, have you thought about telling your story? And he just kind of looked at me and cocked his head and said, I have thought about it.
0: Kilpatrick has a blog, he has a Facebook and a Twitter account, and he's using all three to promote his tell-all book. Today the former mayor tweeted out, Kwame Kilpatrick has surrendered. It's not just provocative, it incorporates the name of his new book, Surrendered, The Rise, Fall and Revelation of Kwame Kilpatrick.
4: I mean, the book is called Surrendered, <laughs> you know, that's a, um, that's a layered title.
2: Kari Turner was the co-author of Kwame's book.
4: And we, we wrestled with titles for months, you know, and, and he finally came to that title. He wanted the book to reflect that he was surrendering himself spiritually, kind of surrendering himself to his, his own faults. He did feel that he had some faults that he needed to outgrow.
1: And behind me, people are starting to line up here at the church. It holds a 1,000. The pastor will question Kwame Kilpatrick for about an hour, take questions for 40 minutes, and then the former mayor will sign and sell his new
2: book. Kwame headed back to Detroit to promote the book. Uh, The book is out. It can be
1: purchased at kwamekilpatrickbook.com. Amazon.com. You know, everybody that's read the book, it starts an intelligent conversation. Whether you support Kwame Kilpatrick or not, whether you like me or not, I believe it's a good read. People said that you could have been possibly uh, the President of the United States. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a job that I've never wanted. You remember how, how, how Barack spoke at first and how he walked uh, on the stage, you know, with that swagger, and they had all this information right. about his walk. You see how he had to tone even that down. Yes. So I wouldn't want that position, um, because I don't believe that I could be
2: so compromised in myself. Kwame was back in his element, and his charm offensive seemed to be working. Thank you for
1: coming in. You're still a friend, you're still very brave. Wow. You're still the man, Kwame Kilpatrick. I you know man. you had your troubles, and and you've done your thing. But, brother, you are just rich with the gift. Oh, man. Thank you, Mason. Man. Much love to you. Kwame Kilpatrick.
3: It developed a whole new life, and I was speaking around the country uh, on my testimony. And, and, uh, you know, just living a life that was so different from the one I had in Detroit before and finally feeling comfortable and and really uh, happy and joyful in that life.
2: But that life wouldn't last. Through almost all of Kwame's time in the mayor's office, through all of his scandals and prison sentences, there was something going on in the background that was much more serious than a perjury charge or a probation violation. A federal investigation. Back in, in 2004, we were looking at a, a number of different things that were uh, pointing towards a, a large organized conspiracy of criminals that were in city government. And the person at the top of that, Structure of criminal activity was climbing Kilpatrick. That's next time on Crime Town. Crime Town is Mark Smerling and Zach Stewart Pontier. This season is made in partnership with Gimlet Media and Spotify. This episode was produced by Soraya Shockley, Rob Zipko, Samantha Lee, and me, John White. The senior producer is Drew Nellis. Editing by Zach Stewart-Pontier and Mark Smerling. Fact-checking by Jennifer Blackman. Race the time. This episode was mixed, sound designed, and scored by Sam Baer. Original music this season, composed by Homer Steinweiss. We recorded some original music at Rust Belt Studios in Detroit in partnership with Detroit Sound Conservancy. Special thanks to Carlton Goals and Maurice Piranhahead Heard. Additional music by John Kusiak, Kenny Kusiak, and John Ivins. Additional mixing by Bobby Lord. Our theme song is Politicians In My Eyes by Death. Our credit music this week is Politicians In My Eyes covered by the Dirt Bombs. Archival research by Brennan Reese. Some of the audio in this episode appears courtesy of Tim and Tobias Smith in their film, KMK, a documentary of Kwame Kilpatrick. Additional archival material courtesy of WXYZ. Show art and design by James Cabrera and Elise Harvin. Thanks to the Detroit Free Press, Peter Batia, Jim Schaefer, Mary Schrader, Melanie Maxwell, Mary Wallace, Elizabeth Clemens, Max White, Randy Lundquist, and everyone who shared their stories with us. Detroit's an amazing place, and we're honored to tell a small part of its story. Alex Bloomberg is the podfather. Alex, I know you've had your troubles, and you've done your thing, but brother, you are just rich with the gift.